Think Small. That's kind of an odd title. Think Small. We're often taught to think big. After all, if you think small, then you get small results. I mean, that's, that's at least the way we've come to consider it anyway, how we've been taught. But I want to persuade you this morning, convince you, that when it comes to the church, thinking small is a good thing. It can have big results, especially when we're talking about smaller groups of believers coming together in the bigger body of the church. If you've been with us, then you probably know our mission as a church. If not, you're going to get to hear it this morning. Grace Fellowship exists to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you read that with me this morning? Let's get this in our minds and hearts. Grace Fellowship exists to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. In other words, we do not simply want to see people converted and then jump on the church roll, and, and that's it. We have a responsibility as a church to come alongside believers to help them to experience the depth and the breadth of the Christian life, the fullness of the Christian life. That is to provide an environment that is conducive to spiritual life transformation. That's what it's about. That's what's in our mission statement. We want to see life change, not just numbers added to a role. But you can ask, can I grow spiritually on my own? Well, sure you can. You can get your Bible. The Holy Spirit can enlighten you. You can have your prayer time. There's a lot of things that you can do on, on your own to grow. But if we open and go through the pages of Scripture, we discovered God never intended us to be the Lone Ranger, to go it alone. One of the key passages in Scripture that helps us to understand that comes from the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4. And we read, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Do we see here what, what God's trying to get across to us? That yes, you can go alone, but it's better if you go with others. Jesus said, for where two or three come together in my name, I'm with them. Now, wait a second. That means when I'm alone in my quiet time, when I'm alone on, in the car driving down the interstate, that, does that mean that Jesus isn't with me then? No, obviously he is with me. But what it's saying here is that when we come together as God's people, then his presence is with us in a unique and special way. He's with us in a way when we're together that he's not with us when we're apart. He doesn't abandon us, but there's a uniqueness about his spiritual presence when we come together. The Apostle Paul reminds us, now you are the body of Christ. 
and each one of you is a part of it. As a matter of fact, he goes on to paint what in his mind was probably a humorous, humorous picture. You know, he said, can the whole body be an ear? Can the whole body be an eye? I have, I don't know about you guys, my eyes, I have pretty dry eyes. They don't produce very many tears. And so any little particulate matter that gets in there, any foreign substance really irritates my eyes. So I'm on the grass, I'm wearing these goofy goggles out there because I don't want this stuff in my eyes because they'll be irritated for the next two or three days. Now imagine if your whole body was an eye and you had to roll around everywhere you went. That's not very good. You'd be able to see through the stuff, but that's not the way God designed you. He put the eyes in the body so that they operate along with the body. And that's what Paul is saying here. You are a part of a larger body. You are uniquely fashioned and made by God to fit within the context of a body. And so going it alone is not the way God designed it for us. You can grow spiritually as a believer on your own. People have done that. But God designed us to come together in smaller groups. And when we do come together in smaller groups for fellowship, for study, for prayer, for serving together, it opens up a whole world of opportunities that you would have never experienced before. you got some of those testimonies right there on the screen this morning to tell you about that. Well, what about showing up for worship then? You know, I'm an individual believer, and, and that, but I, I show up with a large group on Sunday morning for worship. Is that enough for me? Well, obviously, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that we're not to forsake the gathering together of believers, okay? That's a vital part of who we are, that we need to come together for worship. But being a part of a smaller group of people who are committed to Christ and committed to each other, that's like adding spiritual growth to your Christian life. It kicks it up a notch. It turns on the afterburners. It soups up the engine. And for that reason, I want to encourage you to consider it this morning. Think about it. Jesus had hundreds of people who followed him. Hundreds of people who called themselves disciples. But out of that group, he chose 12, a small group. He chose that 12 apart from the larger group, and he began to invest himself into them, to pour himself into them. And what happened, with the exception of one of those 12, what happened was their lives were radically changed. Now, you say, well, obviously, if I hung around with Jesus, my life would be radically changed. It was hanging around with Jesus, but there was more to it than that. It was hanging around with each other. Imagine if Jesus had just chosen one, just one, and and hung around with that one, and everybody else were the other disciples. The impact, the ongoing impact, would have been much smaller. Or imagine if Jesus had just hung out with the masses. Well, obviously, he cannot pour himself into them like he could pour himself into a smaller group. Jesus had it figured out. 
And we might say that we want to take a a big shotgun approach and just try to hit the masses. But Jesus said, no, that's not the way I chose to do it. I pulled aside a small group and I invested myself in them. And they grew up together. And in that group, with the exception of Judas Iscariot, that group experienced life transformation and became a catalyst to change the world. You and I are descendants of that heritage. And so if Jesus chose to do it with a small group, then small groups are probably a pretty good idea for us too. That's my heartbeat for us. That's what I want to see at Grace Fellowship. Quite selfishly, I want to experience spiritual transformation. I want that for me. Because I know that's what God wants for me. But beyond that, I want to be a part of creating an environment where each of you has the opportunity to be transformed. I want to see your life change. That's part of our mission statement. I want you to change. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want you to be pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of you. And I don't want to do it simply so that you can be spiritually mature and I can be spiritually mature. I want to do it so that you and I can become catalysts for transformation in our families, in our community, and in the world. That's the only way it's going to work. It's the way Jesus did it. It's the way we ought to be doing it. We ought to be about seeking transformation for ourselves, seeking transformations for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and then together engaging the world, sharing Christ, and serving others together. Most of you are familiar with Believe, Belong, Become. You see it on the, on the wall when you come in. You see it in your grace notes. You see it in other places. Believe, Belong, Become is not just a motto. It's not just a sign that we stick up on the wall. It, it really defines who we are and, and what we do as a church. And if you've been here for a while, you're kind of familiar with what Believe, Belong, Become is. And if you haven't, then this is a good opportunity to share with you what it is. Grace Fellowship is a community of faith where each person believes in Jesus and grows in their faith, believes in Jesus Christ and has a a growing faith. That's key. We're not just a social club. We're not just a bunch of people that just show up on Sundays because we like each other. We are here because, number one, we have a foundation of faith in Jesus Christ, but we're not content to merely know him. We want to do what Paul said last week. We want to press on. We want to go further. We want to know him intimately and more deeply. And so we we believe, and we're growing in our belief. It's a community of faith where each person belongs to a grace group and is connected with other believers. And that's what we're talking about here this week and next week is connecting with other believers. Believers coming together, joining together in order to support and encourage and challenge and hold each other accountable. And then obviously we want to go on beyond that. We don't want to just show up on Sundays and show up in grace groups. It's a, it's, it's a community of faith where each person becomes more like Jesus daily in attitude and action. I mean, ultimately, if you're looking for the end of the line in the factory... What's coming off the line? This is what's coming off the line. People who believe, people who belong, and people who are more like Jesus in the way, in their worldview, in the way they think, but also in the way they act. 
and we know a lot about how, how Jesus thought and how Jesus acted. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. So if we're going to think like Jesus and act like Jesus, we will be about seeking and saving the lost. Jesus said the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. So if we're going to think like Jesus and act like Jesus, then we're going to be serving others, willingly laying down our lives so that others might know his grace, his love, and his compassion. Here's what we believe. We believe the kind of life that leads to transformation is the one with a growing faith in Jesus and authentic connection with other believers and an intentional movement towards becoming more like Christ. That's what Believe, Belong, Become is all about. And as the church, we're responsible to share the good news of Jesus with people, to call them to faith in Christ, and to include them in the body of Christ. But it goes beyond just putting them on the church roll. I don't know if you've been in church for a long time, you've been a part of the church, and every, every year we have to fill out what's called a church profile and send it in. Now you can do it online. Before you had to do it on paper. But every year we send in a church profile. And as part of that church profile, you're supposed to put in your total membership. Now, I pastored churches before, and we put in our total membership, and our total membership might be 630. But on Sunday morning, the people who were there were about 150 or 180 people. And you're wondering, okay, where, where are the other 450? What's happened to them? And so you start to go through the role, and you get your leaders together and say, well, you do, do you know this person here? Well, I don't know. They showed up for a few Sundays, and we baptized them, but we really hadn't seen them after that. Do you know this person here? Well, you know, I think they're dead. And you start looking through the church role, and what you understand is that you have a whole group of people who are absolutely disconnected to the body, if not disconnected from life. They're on the roll. They're there. They're counted. That's not what we want to be. We want to be a place where people are not just counted, but where people are connected. And in order to do that, our responsibility as a church is to provide the soil in which you can spiritually grow. Now, we will not go force you into a grace group. We do not have stormtroopers waiting outside. Escort you to the table. You will sign one of these. You will sign the papers before you leave the building. It's not what we're doing. What we want to do is to encourage you to consider it. And if you say, listen, I was in a group and it really didn't meet my needs, go find a different group. There are different groups, meaning at different times, different places. Go find a different group. It may have been that the, the particular makeup of the group or the particular facilitator was, was not to your liking. Some groups meet here in the building. They do really well meeting here. Some groups meeting homes. Totally different kind of environment is created when you're in those two types of situations. And so give it some thought. Think about where you might plug in. We're not going to force you, but we do want to encourage you because we believe it is for your benefit. Now, an essential part of connecting people in smaller groups uh, falls under our small group ministry. And our small group ministry has basically three components when it comes to adults and youth. 
First of all, it's the grace groups, and that's what we're talking about, and we'll be talking about this week, next week. Uh, secondly, is our Sunday morning Bible studies. At 9 o'clock, from 9 to 10 on Sunday mornings, in the classrooms right over here, we have Bible studies for all age groups, from preschool up. We've got it for, for everybody. Now, Sunday morning Bible studies are pretty much what, what you think. They're, they're Bible studies. And you will pray, and you'll have some chance to, to chat and talk and, and get and connect with each other. But primarily the focus is going to be on, on Bible study. It is an excellent place for you to come and to dig down deeper into God's Word and to begin to understand some of the deeper truths. It may be a little more structured than some of your grace groups, but it is an excellent place to plug in, and I want to encourage you to consider doing that. We also have, the third part is foundational studies. What are foundational studies? Well, foundational studies are, are studies that have a specific purpose. It may be evangelism. It may be learning your spiritual gifts. Uh, it could be any number of things. It has a specific starting time and a specific ending time. In other words, it, it may run for six weeks. It may run for eight weeks, 12 weeks, but it starts and it ends. And basically, anything to do with foundation, we're trying to give you those blocks that can hold up your Christian life. There may be gaps, holes where you feel like, I don't know this, I don't know how to do that. I really wish I could share my faith, but I'm not really sure how to do that. Foundational studies are to come alongside and provide that, that block to begin to level your Christian life in that way. And so those three components are part of our overall small group ministry, grace groups, Sunday morning Bible studies, foundational studies. The first Sunday in September, I want to talk a little bit more about the Sunday morning Bible studies and the foundational studies. But today and next week, I want to really focus on our grace group ministry. What is a grace group? A grace group is a small group of perhaps 8 to 15 people. Now, I say perhaps because there is no fixed number for a grace group. But an ideal number is going to be somewhere around 12. And so you can fudge a little on one side or the other. They come together on a regular basis. Most meet on a weekly basis where God's truth and real-life experiences come together in the context of authentic relationships. God's Word is key. We, I mean, it is, that's what we're there. We're there to, together to get into God's Word. But when we do that, we're going to bring our experiences, our real-life stuff into that group. We don't want to hide that out, out, you know, leave your stuff at the door when you come in here. Bring it in here because here's, here's what you need to know. What God has to say has to do with your real life situations. So you don't want to separate the two. But we want to do that kind of in that context and the overall desire of, of having relationships built and strengthened between people. That's really what a grace group is all about. It is a Bible study, but it goes beyond merely coming together to study the Bible. Grace groups focus on building tight-knit Christian relationships where members study God's Word, discuss personal application. That's important. What, is this, what does it mean, and what does it mean for my life? What does it mean for us as a group? Where we hold one another accountable. And now this is a, this is a tough part where we actually speak the truth in love in other people's lives to hold them accountable, where we pray for the needs of those both inside and outside the group. Prayer needs to be part of a group and is going to be a part of your group, not just when you meet, but also 
during the week where we serve together in the community and the world. As a matter of fact, we encourage each grace group to have at least one ministry, missions project per year. Most groups have more than one, but we want you to have at least one where you together are engaging and going out and serving. Now you say, hey, I can do that on my own. Well, that's great, but look around in your group. There may be people in your group who really aren't comfortable in that kind of setting, who really aren't out there. And so if you are saying, hey, come along with me and let us go do this, then that's going to help them. So it's not all about you. Sometimes it's about bringing other people along in their Christian walk. And then finally, who responds to the needs in the group. If you're a part of a group of people, then you're going to find there are people with needs. We don't want to hide from those needs. As a matter of fact, the grace group should be the first line of pastoral ministry in any church. When, when life comes tumbling down, when you get the diagnosis of cancer, when you find out your mother's just gone into the hospital or your child has just broken an arm or a leg, <laughs> being able to contact your group and say, hey, guys, be praying for me. I'd suggest you contact them. If you're involved in a group and you know they love you and care about you, call them first, then call the church office. It's not that I don't care. It's just your group's going to be able to respond knowing you much better perhaps than I would or than one of our deacons would because you built the relationship. So you can see the value of being in a group like this. Now, grace groups have a little better flexibility. We've talked about it. They meet, some meet on different places, different days, uh, different times. They don't have really a start and end time. You kind of have an idea of where they are, and, and you do have to be cognizant of that. But you don't have the, the strict, you know, we got an hour, we got to get in, got to get out. Uh, our grace group is typically an hour to two hours. Fred's grace group, that lasts like 12, 13 hours. <laughs> not Not really. People are scratching their name. I don't want to be in Fred's group. <laughs> they come together and you can't pry them apart. But that's a good thing. That you want to be together so much that you don't want to be apart. That's one of the things that we're trying to build. And so grace groups are designed and intended to build and to deepen Christian relationships, knowing that those kinds of relationships provide fertile soil for spiritual maturity. That's what we're trying to do. We'll provide the soil, but it's up to you to say, plant me. Plant me so I can grow. Rick Warren writes in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, many people assume that all is needed for spiritual growth is Bible study and prayer. But some issues in life will never be changed by Bible study and prayer alone. God uses people. He usually prefers to work through people rather than perform miracles so that we'll depend on each other for fellowship. He wants us to grow together. So here's what I want you to remember. Remember, grace groups are not merely about learning. They are about becoming. And that's why they're part of our overall strategy as a church. So we encourage all our members, all our regular attenders to be part of a grace group, 
Not simply because we enjoy counting numbers, but because being connected in a community of believers in a grace group will equip you to become more like Jesus daily in your attitude and your action, which is exactly what we said is our mission as a church. Now, when you, when you come together, I, I promise you, you will be a blessing to others. But there are blessings that you're going to get out of being a part of a grace group yourself. And if you don't mind, I just want to share four of them with you. Four blessings that you're going to get out of the many possibilities. The first is that you'll find strength for life's storms. You'll find strength. The Bible says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You do not have to go through life carrying your burdens alone. There's so many people who do. They've got struggles. They've got challenges. They just hold it in. Sometimes you can look on their face and tell they're carrying a weight that's too heavy for them. Now, it's true the Bible does say that each one of us are to, to carry our own load. But that is referring to what a soldier's backpack would be. In other words, a load that was fitting for one person to carry. But the load that's, that's talked about here, the burden that's talked about here is something that is too heavy for one person to bear alone. God never intended for you to carry it alone. And so what we find out is when life becomes stormy for you, when the weight becomes too heavy for you, to be able to go to a group of people and say, hey, guys, this is what's going on in my life. And to find that they respond in love and grace, they pray for you, and oftentimes they go beyond praying for you to begin to help meet the needs within the life of that group. It's a beautiful thing. And so one of the blessings is that you find strength for life's storms. The second blessing is this, you gain wisdom for important life decisions. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. If you don't know it yet, life is filled with challenges. Life is filled with decisions. Every day, day after day, minute after minute, decision after decision. And you try to do the best you can to make the wisest decisions that you know how. But I've got to tell you, I, I want to tell you this. There are people here who have walked where you're walking now. Who struggle with some of the same things that you're struggling with. Death of a spouse. There are people here who struggle with the death of a spouse, death of a parent. Struggle with that. Death of a children, child, struggle with that going through divorce or a difficult time in your marriage. There are people here who struggle with that. Financial. There are people here who struggle with that. You don't have to have all the answers on your own. God gave us other wise, caring people who can come alongside and go, I know where you are. I've been there. I've walked that road. And this is what I learned. This is how I cope. This is what God said to me in this time. 
It is so important that we look to other people. Sometimes we can learn best from their mistakes. You don't have to make the same mistakes that other people have made. Our teenagers, your parents aren't just trying to keep you from having fun. They've been there. They've made those mistakes. They're trying to warn you. What they're trying to do is impart wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is gained with experience. And so we need to rely on those. And in a small group of believers, there you can share wisdom. A third blessing is this. You find caring people who will help hold you accountable. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, if you're going to hold someone accountable, let me give you a hint here. It's good to have a relationship with them. For somebody to just walk up out of the blue and call you down and say, I'm going to keep my eye on you, you'd think they're nuts. But you get in a small group of caring believers and you come in and you say, this is where I'm struggling in life. And you give them permission to enter into your struggle. Then you get the phone call. Hey, how's this going? Or they see you on Sunday or on Wednesday, whenever your group meets. And they pull you aside and say, hey, listen, I've been praying for you. How's that going with you? You give people permission to hold you accountable. Is it comfortable? No. But if you have caring, loving relationships, then it's a lot easier to hear the truth from them than from a stranger. And so that accountability is another blessing of being part of a grace group. And the fourth thing, and again, we could have many, many more, but let me just end up here. The fourth thing is this. You belong to a healing community. Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Way back in 1965, I was only three years old at the time, but I've heard the song Burt Bacharach saying, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Isn't that what we all need? We all need to be loved. We all need people who love us. And that's one of the reasons we come together as a group, not just to learn, but to love and to pour out our love into the lives of other people. To love one another just as Jesus has commanded us. Because when you have an environment of love, then you're willing to be open. You're willing to be honest. You're willing to share your life. You can be transparent without being rejected. And when you're in a loving environment, healing can begin. The old Band-Aid commercial helps the hurt stop hurting. Grace groups do that. They help the hurt stop hurting. Folks, these are among the manifold benefits of being a part of a grace group. But if you'll just give me another minute, I want to add a personal note. I enjoy coming together on Wednesday nights, learning, sharing, praying, serving, laughing, and if I've got to be honest, eating with my grace group. Not every grace group gets together and has a meal, but 
I'm glad mine does. I enjoy it. I look forward to it. It is a true blessing in my life. And it is a rare Wednesday that I say to myself, I wish I didn't have to go. I don't know if you've ever had weekly meetings or scheduled meetings where you go, sure wish I didn't have to go to that. It is rare that I ever consider Wednesday nights as a burden. It's always a blessing. I always look forward to it. It is a highlight, a mountaintop experience for my week. And sometimes we dive in and we, we begin to digest because we'd use the sermon-based study. Uh, we dive in, we begin to digest that and talk about that. And, and sometimes we're able to go from the beginning of the study to the end of the study and get it all done. And there are times where we get about a third of the way through. We may not get past the first question in the, in the, the talk about it time where it says, you know, what is Sunday's message? How did that speak to you? How did it challenge you? We may not ever get beyond that. And here's the deal. That's okay. We have come together. We have brought God's word, our real lives together, in this context of genuine, authentic, loving relationships. We have grown together. We have laughed together. We have challenged one another. We have connected on a deeper level than just how's the weather and did you see the Braves the other night? And we leave that place better because we were together. That's what I want for you. The reason I want you in a grace group is not so that we can have an elders meeting and go, hey, look how many people are in grace groups compared to last month this time. The reason I want to encourage you to be in a grace group is because I have found it to be a blessing to me and I found it a way that I can be a blessing to others. Scripture says that we are the body of Christ. It tells us that we belong together. And I have learned from experience that we're better when we're together. And so my encouragement is think small. Get connected in a grace group. Because out of something that small, God does something great.